Welcome to Faith Through the Fire with your host, Tracy Waldridge. Lauren Seeley. And I'm Stephen Drawball. I'd like to welcome everybody on with us today. We have uh, one of our members at North Point, Jenny Ritter, with us today to tell her story. Um, Jenny, welcome. If you would, introduce yourself a little bit. Well, my name's Jenny, and I'm a medical assistant. I work in the medical field, and I think that came from part of my story. As a child, I grew up um, not in the church, and um, my grandma was uh, Pentecostal, so I kind of was, I've kind of been in every denomination here. So I, the Pentecostal church I would go to sometimes as a, as a child. I wasn't faithful. My mom didn't take me all the time, but uh, she's the one that instilled the uh, Bible in me and a belief in God and faith. Jenny, I know you're here today to talk about drug addiction and, and mental health, um, both. Just hit on how that came about, how, how the drug addiction came about, and uh, your, your experiences, you know, what, what led into that. Okay. Um, I was probably about 18 to 20, and um, I got around the wrong crowd, and I would, I drank alcohol for, you know, a while, but then I got in with this crowd, and they were doing drugs, and um, it was my boyfriend that was part of this drug group, and I felt like that at first I was fine. I would drink alcohol, and they would all be doing their thing, and some of my friends would be doing our thing, and then, um, so I kind of felt like if I was going to be with this guy, like he was kind of pushing me to do drugs, so it started out with marijuana. I did that for a while. There was no addiction there, and then uh, I started doing a little harder stuff. I did some cocaine. After that, it just kind of led and went a little longer, a little further out, and I started doing crack cocaine, and that's where the drug addiction came in. You know, I know me and you have discussed personally some mm-hmm. stuff, right? And you know, we've talked about mental health a little bit, mm-hmm. and you talk about you know getting around the wrong crowd. Obviously, right. was a big part of it, right? Do, do you feel like at that time, like with mental health problems as well, whether it was anxiety or or whatever you were going through, and you can kind of maybe talk on that a little bit, yeah. but was the, was the drug a part of that too? Like, you know, I need relief. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm reaching out, you know, it speak was, on that a little bit maybe. Yeah, it was a part of, I didn't have God in my life, so right. I didn't have a lot of happiness. You know, sometimes I did and other times I didn't. Materialistic things ain't what keeps you happy. Yeah. But um, I was seeking probably some happiness, but I yeah. had some depression and anxiety as a, as a teenager, as I look back, I didn't realize that I did, but yeah. I had that. But at the time of the drug addiction, I didn't believe that I had anything but maybe some depression. But at that time, I felt like I was okay, but probably because the things that I was doing, which helped block out. Worse. Yeah. It blocked out, and uh, especially with the crack, it, it numbs you, and you're not feeling not feeling none of the pain. So how long would you say the drug addiction or kind of took over before you decided to seek help? Or I did that for about two years every day, straight every day. And then I realized that I don't want to live like that. I was probably going to die. And so before I sought help, yeah, I was going to, I was, I stopped on my own because I felt like it, I couldn't, I couldn't live like that anymore. But after two weeks I had withdrawals. Right. And so, um. I literally went crazy, kind of lost my mind, and and that's part of the story too. Is I had some hallucinations, 
I was in my my apartment with I was by myself at that time and I kind of lost my mind and I got scared and so I asked my brother or I called my brother and he said um, I told him what was going on and of course he kind of freaked out so he called my boyfriend at the time something's going on you need to go home he was at work so he came home and uh, they took me to a U of L which I don't know if you've ever been there but it's pretty scary <laughs> <laughs> it's he thought I was crazy. It was a real, real crazy people down there. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, I'm not staying here. So I got him to leave. And the next day, uh, my stepmom, Karen, and uh, my sister-in-law at the time took me to a mental hospital where I stayed for 15 days. A lot of times when, you know, the other people that we've talked to as far as drug addiction, alcohol, and suicide and stuff, they, they talked about like a tipping point a point in their life that just caused them to start changing. And I know you said just a second ago about how, um, you know, you came to this realization that you need to kind of change your life a little bit. Was there something that happened that caused that, or was it just you woke up one day and it just caused you to change? Well, um, I would have, I don't know if you call them visions or whatever, but I would have thoughts that, you know, I would see people in caskets honestly and be like if you know thinking my thoughts that if you don't stop you're gonna die I was gonna say before too that when I was in the uh, in the apartment before I went and got help the next day I don't know if this is realization or if it was you know I was hallucinating and everything but I just wanted to touch on that because it's a part of the part of the story which is a big part is that uh when I decided I didn't want to do it anymore I got down on my knees and I asked God to help me. And I don't know if it was, like I said, hallucination or not, but I heard two distinctive knocks at the door. And uh, when I asked for him to come, of course, then I was like, oh, goodness, I don't know really <laughs> what's going on, but I wasn't opening that door. <laughs> so I was trying to leave, and I went. It was pouring down rain outside, and I was trying to leave because I was trying to get out of my fears and try to run away from it. But... Um, I got out there and I couldn't function, so I came back inside. <laughs> That's before anybody it came in or anything. But I don't know if I touched on what you asked or not. But yeah, for sure, just kind of a you know like an idea of that. You know, everybody I think at some point in their life hits some some type of crossroad for themselves yeah. to say I'm either going to live a godly life or even a, a different life than I'm currently living. Yeah. And I think you you hit on that pretty well. You know, something else that you said that always strikes with me just because I feel like when we deal with a lot of negative environment and we deal with a lot of negative people or a certain group of people, we get drug into it. Right. And it's hard to get out of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can think about not drugs or anything, just negative thoughts. And yes. being around negative people can cause you to start being that way. And you touched on it for a little bit, but... That environment that you were in, how much did that influence you to use drugs and, and kind of start going down that path? Um, it was a big influence because everybody that I was around was either drinking or at that time when I got around this different crowd from one of my friends that she got into this crowd, I was kind of pulled into drugs because I was like, I'm not going to fit in. You know, if I, I wanted to hang out with that guy and I was like, I'm not going to fit in if um, if I don't start doing what they keep asking me to do and at first I was not going to do it but then you know depends on who you hang around a lot of times mm -hmm. do you was there a, maybe a person or a specific person that kind of helped you 
overcome the addiction or like a positive influence in your life that you looked to during this time? No, uh, um, not really. I think I believe it was when I when I after I got help, but to support my drug addiction, those cash places that you get, you know, come today and get cash and pay them back later. I did that to support my habit along as working, so I was a functional drug user. But um, I would go to those places and. You know, you can only do it so many times at so many different places and not pay them back for you're in trouble. And so I think that kind of helped me as because my dad helped me get out of that trouble. And uh, he helped me. He got a loan for me and helped me out. And little did I know is when he called all these places and seen how much I owed, I was having a Class A felony and about to go to prison. So did I mean? Did he know that any of this was going on up until this point? He didn't. Um, I don't even think he realized at that point that I, I was doing drugs because I never did tell him. But I told my brother that uh, I was in big trouble and and I don't know how to get out of it. He was like, "Well, ask Dad," and I was like, "I don't want to ask Dad." <laughs> <laughs> you know. Then I got to tell him what's going on, but yeah. I don't think at that point that I told him exactly why. Um, I just told him that, you know, we were borrowing money from that place. And right. and he told me, if you didn't get away from this guy, don't ever ask me for help again. So that kind of helped me when I realized that I was going to, I hit rock bottom and I was going to change anyways. Well, then when he said that, it really sunk in. Because like he said, nobody was there to help me. Where are all your friends at now? Yeah. And And, you know, speaking on that, did... Did it take a while to get away from them, or was it pretty much a clean cut and no one came around anymore? Or? It was pretty much a clean cut. Um, I just took myself out of the out of that environment. The boyfriend still tried to come around and uh, a few times, but it, I told him, you know, I can't be a part of this anymore. That takes that takes a strong person mm-hmm. to do that. I mean, yeah. it really does. It's. Yeah, thinking back, I mean, you said you were like 18, 20, mm-hmm. and how big of an influence friends and peers are during that time, and for you to do that, that's that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Especially in a relationship like that with somebody. Yeah, for that's, sure. That's hard to break. Right. And, uh, I, I just appreciate you sharing. And, you know, me growing up in the church, you know, this stuff can happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, by the grace of God, because i fell away and started drinking, you know, and, and it didn't lead to anything major, but it very well easily could have. It could have be any one of us. Right. So appreciate so much you sharing that and having the courage to let other people know. And, and it doesn't matter what your background is. You can, you can if the environment is, is bad, yeah. it'll wear on you. Mm-hmm. It, it'll work on you and, and pull you away. You asked about, um, did my dad know at this point? Um, when I was in the mental hospital, of course, it took me a little while to for them to get medicine and for me to kind of come out of that. So I remember telling my dad at that point, cause it, and it actually was on Christmas when it happened, and I didn't realize it till later. But uh, the doctor goes, tell, him, tell your dad and tell all of them what's been going on, because they were so confused about what was going on in my mind. And so that's when I told him that I did crack. And looking back on it now, it was hard then, but looking back on it now, is, I can see what I did to my family. And I'm, I appreciate you saying that too, because that's the thing with, when we think about ourselves, 
you know, we're, we're reaching out in this show for hopefully somebody to hear your story that's going through something similar that knows they can make it. But also somebody maybe who's not, but just sin in general mm-hmm. does so much damage, not just to the person, but to the people that they love. And you can see that with a lot of sin, it, whether or no matter what it is, you know. Right. So it's, it's uh, I appreciate you bringing that point up. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty common theme. I mean, yeah. that, you know, the people that we've talked to, it have, um, a lot of them have brought up, you know, I I was hurting, you know, this person or that person, and not realizing it until in hindsight looking back now. And I think all of us can probably say yeah. that to an extent yeah. from yeah. like teenage years, twenties, that you were doing something that was influencing or affecting someone in some negative way. That you know, looking back, if you could change it, you would. Right. But now it's a story, and now it's a time to learn and to help other people about it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's kind of what I want to get my story out there is to help other people. Amen. Mm-hmm. And it will. So after the kind of you sought help and everything, was your relationship with Christ like, did you have a good relationship with Christ when you were getting help? Did that push you to start looking to God more? Or how was that relationship when you first started seeking the help? Um. There was no relationship there, you know. Like I said earlier, I had a belief in God, and mm-hmm. um, I had some faith, but not an acting faith. And it was years later, actually, before I was seeking God. But I feel like that He took these trials and this story to lead me. I feel like He was still guiding me, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. Um, kind of came in full circle, right? How it <laughs> came in full circle. But I was about. See, it was probably about 22 when I stopped doing drugs, I guess, give or take. So I was uh, 29 when I started wanting to. I met Eric in 2001, mm-hmm. and then in 2003 we got married. 2005, Alex was, I was pregnant with her. And we knew that if we wanted to raise kids, we wanted to raise them in the church or in, you know, in a Christian environment. And so um, I quit drinking. I, I didn't drink all the time. I never did drink all day or, you know, I mean, every day or nothing right. like that. But I would drink on the weekends, and I decided that, you know, I needed to stop doing that. And we started looking for Christ then. So it kind of came about after you started a family, you were getting serious about God. and Right. Once you started having kids. <laughs> right, yeah. So we went to... Uh, Oklahoma Christian Church first for a while, and I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's a pretty big church, and we tried to get involved. People asked us to go Bible studies, and we were all for it, but then they never followed through and told us where it was at. <laughs> it was at somebody's house, but they never told us where it was. Yeah. So, and then so we went there for probably nine months, I say, because Alex was nine months when we decided to go to. Bonaventure Church of Christ, but how that came about is we needed a smaller church so we could, you know, we knew we were going to need people because we were, again, in a negative environment, and we didn't know anybody that went to, uh, that was in the church. And so uh, we started out at the Christian church, and then I started reading my Bible and getting serious about it and asking for an open heart, and um, he'll lead you when you have an open heart. So... uh, I was reading in my Bible and asking him to get me in the truth, which I didn't even know it wasn't in the truth. Asking for wisdom and knowledge 
I didn't know I was supposed to ask for wisdom and knowledge. So I know that that was God. And there was a little small church right around the corner, and Eric's like, well, why, you know, why don't we go there? It's in walking distance. It was Bonaventure Church of Christ. And at first I didn't want to because I didn't know if I was going to start drinking or not again. So I was like, they're right around the corner. All they have to do is come around the corner and see what's going on. <laughs> so then I was like, well, it's all right. We'll, we'll go there. You know, we're trying to change. We'll go on and go there. And that's where we learned the truth, and I was baptized in 2007. Amen. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. So just curious, who was, who, was Luke preaching? At that he time? was. He was. Luke he had... wasn't there when we first went. I mean, he was preaching, but he was out of town. So the first day that we went in there, he wasn't there. But oh, okay. Diane Murphy, oh, she, Diane. yeah, she was, her and Lee were a big influence. And um, we, of course, were crowded around being visitors and <laughs> they were one of the first ones to come up. And after we left, they followed up with coming to our house. Um, I believe the next day and they invited us to a function and obviously they told Luke what happened and yeah. he come knocking on our door the next day and if you know Luke, he likes to talk. <laughs> yeah, yes. Ashby's like Ashby's to talk. Like wow. <laughs> so he came in and we talked about, I don't know, we talked for two hours about a bunch of stuff. And we started hanging out and going to Bonaventure. And him and Laura helped us out a lot. Amen. We hung out with them and we needed a, a church family to yeah. help us out. Yeah. Did Eric get baptized soon after you or did his... Did he do that later, or was it kind of close in the same timeline? It's kind of funny because uh, I wasn't baptized there for a little bit. I was baptized actually in the Christian church first. Okay. So they have the same plan of salvation, mm-hmm. other than uh, there's some few differences. But So I was told I was right, that I was okay. And so I was like that for a long time, and then Eric actually got baptized before I did. Okay. Um, he probably did in 2006, I'd say. But it was probably, I don't know, six months to a year later when I got baptized because uh, we had a tent revival, and Jerry Stevenson was uh, preaching. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he said— That'll get you. Right. He said— uh, let the bride of Christ baptize you. And so I wanted to make sure I was right. And so I got baptized in the church in 2007. But I kind of had to beg Luke to baptize me because he <laughs> thought I was okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, and yeah, and I would, I'd probably say what Luke said. If right. If you were baptized for the remission of your sins. Right, exactly. No, no matter what the but look, sign says on the... <laughs> right, exactly. It don't matter what the sign says on the building, but... When I looked back, I look back now, I didn't really even realize it then when I got baptized in the church, but I'm glad I did because I really couldn't tell tell you why I was baptized why? in the Christian right. church. Right. And so uh, I needed forgiveness of sins. Awesome. I think that and for me, um, I was, I don't know, I guess you could say not re-baptized, but I was, I was baptized when I was later in life because of the, the conscious thing that you're kind of talking about. Yeah. And when I reflected back, I would think I was in maybe sophomore year of high school that I was baptized. But then when I looked back, I was like, did I do that on my own? Or was it because of something else that was going on in my life at that time um, that kind of pushed me into it? Not that I wouldn't have been saved, maybe, but for a clean conscience. And I think that's probably kind of what you're speaking yeah. on as well, yes. to, 
to right. make sure. I want to make sure that I have a home in heaven. So Right, yes. The environment thing, I mean, we talked about that. It sounds like, and, and just watching your face change when you started talking about that church home, like how big of a shift in the environment must have been for you because just, again, seeing your face change from the story of the negativity in the environment compared to like what you were talking about with Luke and, and some of the others that influenced you, how much did that impact you? Well, if, uh, if it wouldn't have impacted me, I may have not have stayed at the church. They helped us along, and they made sure they were just right down the road, and so they made sure that they were there for us and made sure that they asked us to be involved. So, you know, just going out to eat with them and going to play cards or anything like that, they always involved us. And that was probably nice to have somebody to have, like, good, clean fun with that you yeah, could count was. on to kind of have an accountability partner, which... A lot of people need, you know, even Christians sometimes need an accountability partner. Yeah, all the time. So so you don't get caught up in the wrong crowd. And to be able to lean on them to hang out was awesome. Um, Right. And the names you mentioned, Diane and Lee and and Luke and the Ashby's, (laughs) and I'm sure there's more. Oh, yeah. Brother Stevenson and just a long list of, of people that are just awesome, loving people. And and it. This goes to show you what love, real love, agape love, mm-hmm. that is actually being there and fellowshipping and what that can do. And that's really what matters is the people. You can ask somebody to come to church all day long, but if you don't have a relationship with them and don't try to be there for them on a, on a personal level, yeah, it's not going to matter probably. That's right. Amen. And then the Berries, uh, John and Barbara Berry, they come to our house and had a personal Bible study with us for about a year and a half. I got, you know, a lot of Bible and some knowledge because uh, I studied every day. And with that going on, you know, you have to hang on to something. Right. So Hebrews thirteen five says that uh, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I had that in my mind the whole time. The scripture for us as Christians, we got to realize one of the ways Jesus... You know, his word, obviously, is one of those ways that he don't forsake us, but also through each other, right? Right. We're, we're supposed to be living like Christ, and uh, what a beautiful, man, what a beautiful lesson. Yeah, for sure. Of, of him not forsaking you and being there through all this and bringing people when you're really seeking the truth. Yeah. You know, we, we talked to June that le- lived in the Philippines, and he talked about really seeking the truth. Mm-hmm. And he just so happened to go, let's just try this <laughs> yeah. church right here. It's amazing when you're really serious, it happens every all the time. Yeah. If you're ri- uh, I, There's no doubt because Scripture tells us, if I'm really seeking the truth, I'm going to find it. Yeah, and, and, I like that Scripture, seek. Um, I think it's Matthew 7, 7. But uh, seek and you'll find and knock and, the, and it'll be open to you. Yeah. The door will and, be open. Your story to you. is just another exa- awesome example. Wow, it's powerful. I had the question, "How's the church been a light in your life?" But obviously, <laughs> we, we've uh, yes, the church has played that. a big yeah. role in your life, which is awesome. I, I guess I could ask. Currently, we know how that the, the church was a light in your life at that time, but currently, how does that you know how does that look as as the 
it hasn't changed. I just uh, found more relationships and more people in God and just uh, fun people like we got here. (laughs) Y'all are fun-loving people and people that really care about you and that's genuine and that are real, and I believe that's what we got here at North Point. Amen. So today, um, do you still struggle with maybe your mental health or a desire for addiction, or do you feel like today, you know, you're just? How would you say that today? Like, I don't. I don't struggle with addiction, right, at all. I didn't say earlier that when I stopped cold turkey, I won't say that I didn't struggle because, right, right, I wanted it all the time, and I would just pray that, you know, God would help me. And uh, my mind, I would. I don't know if you know if somebody's on crack, but you look for it when it ain't there. You think like. Your mind is so bogged out and your eyes and everything. So you're looking, I'm looking on the floor and everything else for it. So I would have dreams that, that there was a, that I was either looking for it or that there was like a whole jar of it in there. And I like, I just, you know, and I wake up and then it's not there. Today, I don't struggle with addiction. Um, in my relationship with God, I know it's why. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. And I, I wanted to say, uh, just for everybody listening and, and you know, the story that you've told, you're such an impactful person here in this congregation. Um, maybe that you don't realize, but, you know, teaching my kids in, in Sunday school and stuff and them talking about the things that they learn and stuff. So um, kudos to you for not just the fact that you've had the story and you've overcome things, but how impactful you're being on other people as well. So... Thank you for doing that. Thank you. I didn't realize that I was at all. Yeah. Um, try just to be the person that I am, and thanks. That's encouraging to me. That's. I think that's all God asks you, right? Yeah. And, and you're doing it, and it is. I just to follow up with what Stephen's saying. You know, I just traveled with Trevor to the <laughs> youth rally. He's such a great kid too. So I know you're having an influence, and Good. you know, I know as a parent. Kids can do their own thing sometimes, and yeah. we go through struggles, especially in the teen years. But you're you're doing you're doing great. Thanks. I just want to second Stevens what he said. So uh, Lauren asked earlier if I you asked if I uh, struggle with mental health, mm-hmm. and I have to be medicated uh, right. for my mental health. Uh, I don't know if y'all want to segue into that or not, but yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I know I struggle with mental health, so I take it very seriously. You know, I think therapy and medicine's great. It, they're tools that can help people get through it, and, of course, God as well. But, you know, God put medicine and therapy and things like that to help us. So, And with my mental health journey, I know God is a big, a big reason why I continue and try to get better. So, And you mentioned that, Brian. I'm glad you did because, I, and like we've talked about before, and the reason me and Lauren had done the podcast earlier before we got here was mental health don't get discussed in the church. No, it don't. And it's a, it's a, you know, there's a lot of people that are suffering from mental illness, different, different forms. There's so many and it's a, you know, that's got medical conditions like we have talked about before. You know, we don't, we don't tell somebody that's, diabetic or cancer to just get over it or have more faith or right sure we pe- we pray for the uh, but that's what this show this ep- this uh podcast is all about is faith through the fire you know right and i 
got that saying that I think uh, Tony Evans said, you know, faith is tied to your feet, not to your feelings. You keep walking no matter what you're, what you're going through. But yeah, I appreciate you discussing uh, mental health and right. if you want to speak on, you know, yeah. what you're doing now and, and how maybe the church has helped and with the medicine, the therapy, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety later in life, and I took medicine for that. And I was on that medicine for about seven years, and I don't know what happened. One day I kind of lost my mind again and uh, hallucinating and not knowing, you know, realization. But it's kind of kind of weird because I could, I could know what I'm saying, but I couldn't control it. And so um, it was just coming out there. Well, one good thing about it was... Scripture was rolling off my tongue, <laughs> but somebody would think that I was. Uh, Luke said it was like I was drunk or something. <laughs> so I got taken to the hospital, and you know I just said, "Well, if there's somebody here that I can help, I must be here for a reason." But uh, I was in the hallways saying scripture, and so everybody that was there heard heard uh, about God. But uh, it came to the point that I got had to be hospitalized, and they wouldn't let me have my Bible. So, uh, because they thought it was the religious that was making me off the charts. But um, thankfully, as we said earlier, I really dug into my Bible and I had it on my heart. So I didn't need I didn't need His Word right in front of me. I had it already. But, anyways, I was hospitalized for about uh, two weeks, I think, and I was misdiagnosed and I was diagnosed with bipolar. So they put me on some different medicine and got me got me going strong and. I'm still on that medicine. Well, they switched my medicine because that medicine wasn't working out exactly the way that it was supposed to. But I was in my 40s when that happened. And uh, it they called it a manic uh, episode. Yeah. So you can, with bipolar, I don't know if you know or not, you can either be on two of a high or two of a low. So you got to keep that happy medium. And when I was in the hospital, they were kind of asking what was going on. And me and you, Tracy, talked about that earlier is... Things that don't fire right, it's not about your faith. It's about your brain and your chemicals. And I told them, I said, I just feel like my whole brain's lighting up, that it's just firing everywhere. And they was like, well, that's what bipolar does. So it was hard to accept. But um, as I studied up on it and realized that's what it was, I had to accept it. Yeah. But uh, you wouldn't know it today. I don't think people no, would realize no, it. No, you you wouldn't at all. I'm pretty yeah. well controlled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and I, that's something I think when we talked with Kurt Montooth, who's a, a therapist, and we talked, I think me and Lauren talked about how much that helped researching the mental health, you know, mm-hmm. with her OCD. When we really got it, you know, because I think a lot of people maybe kind of don't want to talk about it and let's just bury it. That don't work, yeah. and it's going to come back worse. And things are, but the more you know, you know, the, mm-hmm. the more you can help yourself. The more knowledge you have and, and research of it. So that's a that's a great point. Yeah, and for a long time, I don't obviously I don't mind now, but for a long time I didn't want to anybody to know because it has such a stigma yeah. on mental health in general. But right. being bipolar, it really does, and even. Right. Even in the doctor's offices, it has mm-hmm. a stigma on it. Right. And, you know, I work with these some doctors that yeah. 
you know, they obviously don't know that I'm bipolar, but yeah. <laughs> they make yeah. jokes about make it. Side right. comments. You're like, oh, thanks. Oh, thank you. <laughs> don't worry about it. I'm not telling you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one, one of the guys that I've been to Honduras with uh, was is bipolar, and um, he talked to, and his son, of course, I guess the genetics area, his son had it too, and he talked about the difference in him, you know, because he's living for Christ. So that doesn't take the bipolar away, but it does get him to fight like crazy. Yes. Right. So, and what I mean by fight is, is take the medicine and be sure I'm taking the medicine. Be sure I'm reaching out when I need help, talking to other Christians about my issues, you know, so you have this you have this big support group and and you're doing what you need to do and he talked about the difference in his son who wasn't in christ and uh, i don't know if his son was maybe in his 20s or he was a grown at the you know but he would go you know he'd have these bipolar episodes and and he would go on these super high Mm -hmm. moments and he would not remember like he'd leave and he couldn't find him and it's just so dangerous and scary, you know. He don't know where he's at, and then when he would come back, he didn't remember everything that happened. And I know there's different levels of mm-hmm. of bipolar and and all these mental illnesses, but the difference, you know, it's just a huge. And me and Lauren's talked about that uh, and what she's battling, you know, because and she's she's mentioned, you know, if oh, it yeah. wasn't for Christ, she no. I probably would have. There were times where she's considered, you know, I I don't want to live, you know, but Christ gets you through it, you know, and people. Yeah, (laughs) having a support group is definitely uh, helps you out. And it's also nice to know that other Christians, you know, in the church, because we don't talk about it, it's nice to know that other people have these same issues. That way, yeah. you know, we can help each other yeah. out. And there's so many people, like, I had no idea that any of this had happened to you or you struggled with it at all. I never knew that. So it's nice to to know. I mean, it, it stinks sometimes the things we have to go through. But to know that other people go through things and we can lean on them. Is, and we're not alone. Good. Right. And scripture talks about it. The, some of the suffering so that you can comfort other people the way mm. Christ has comforted you. Right. And then that's that's what it's all about. And, um, you know, until we get to heaven, which is right around the corner. <laughs> um, you know, that's another thing I think when we're a Christian, we realize boy, we're here for a blink of an eye. And, and this junk that we got to go through, <laughs> we got to go through it, but it's, it's going to be when we... You know, what's it? What are we gonna think about after a thousand years in heaven? <laughs> you know, right. are we gonna remember? <laughs> I, I guess we'll remember. Maybe I don't know. I don't know how that's gonna work. <laughs> I hope we uh, don't remember. <laughs> maybe, maybe we don't. Maybe we don't remember that. But it's it, there's no timeline in eternity. But I'm just saying, there's you know, Paul talks about all all the sufferings are not gonna compare. Right. So that's something as a Christian we can we can celebrate, you know, and have that hope, and we don't have to. But it's just it is good to know, you know, and that's with anything. We talk about mental health issues and drug addiction, and but sin in general that we battle, you know. You know, I've talked to quite a few guys that have battled pornography, 
and that's something that's embarrassing and and uh, shameful to them. And but when they start realizing, oh, this guy that I thought was perfect, who never messed up, he's got some issues too. They they realize, well, I can I can deal with it. And it, just throwing that out there as an example, but it could be anything. They do a great job here. And I think Aaron puts an emphasis on putting down the mask and opening yeah. it up and letting people know that you're not perfect, and that's important. It's real important because I was going to say earlier and then didn't say it or forgot that uh, when I started hanging around Luke and Christians, I thought I could never be good enough. Yeah. That, you know, they were better than I was. and Right. And for all of us, we all need to come together and say, none of us are good enough. <laughs> no, I know that and now. So we, but... <laughs> we're all in this boat. Yeah, yeah, we're all I, in this I boat I know together. that now, but in right. the beginning, I thought That's I tough. could never add up to what they are. Yeah. Because it looked like they had all their ducks in a row. That's right. And it, I didn't. I think it's a big thing. It's so important, you know, like you doing this podcast and opening up and for people who are specifically going through what you're going through. But like I said before, it's also so important for like our youth to see that there's not a, you know, when I was younger, there was some folks that I thought never, ever <laughs> messed <Not> up, <laughs> like never said a bad word or any, anything. And I thought, I can't, I can't go like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and then you get to the feeling of why, why bother? Right. I'm, I'm just not. Yeah. But when you get older, you find out, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> did have people do have issues. <laughs> okay. And Look. so I'm thinking, why not? You know, it's not that we want to, you know, because it's not fun. You know, it's like like you're doing now. That's It's not a <laughs> pleasant thing to drudge up memories and pain. But right. it's so important that, that we, we talk about it in the sense that, look what God's done. Yeah, Absolutely. And giving him glory. So, Right. You know, and these struggles that I went through, it's uh, to help other people, but it's all to God's glory that Amen. I was able to change, and I wouldn't have changed without him. Right. Um, Amen. But, Lauren, you talked about OCD, and, you know, I just, I have a multiple of mental issues. <laughs> I have OCD, too, but the medicine that I'm on, it kind of, you know, is an umbrella, and it, you know, manages that, too. But before... I was telling Tracy earlier that uh, you could move one little thing, mm-hmm. and I could tell that mm-hmm. you moved it, and it might be a quarter of an inch, mm-hmm. and it would bother me. And, right. you know, everything had to be perfect, and, of course, nothing's perfect. No. But <laughs> everything needed to be perfect, and, you know, stuff in my house, and I, I don't know. You, you know. Right. <laughs> right, yeah. And it would just bother me and, like, eat at me in the inside mm-hmm. um, before I got on medicine. For all of it, I felt like a demon was in me fighting it. Right. And that's why medicine's so important, you know. Mm-hmm. It kind of does kind of, I, I guess it, you deal with it every day. Right. But it, it takes the edge off, you know. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious just because um, I know there's a lot of people that deal with the stigma issue. Um, and meaning that, you know, maybe I've been dealing with something and I go to a doctor and they diagnose me and they tell me that I have, you know, like you were talking about bipolar or OCD or whatever. But then you said at, at some point during that, you determined, I need to talk about this. I need, 
I, I don't need to worry about the stigma as much and share with people. Was there something that caused that? Because I know there's people out there that struggle with that right. and they want to hide it and they want to say, no, I'm fine. But then on the inside and at home or whatever, they're really dealing with a whole lot of stuff. Right. Whereas if they talked about it more and got it out more and, and found other people, that dealt with the same thing, uh, you know, as a Christian, how much it can benefit them. But was there something that caused you to kind of be okay with it, or is it still um, a struggle? No, it's not. It's not a struggle. Well, I'll say sometimes it is a struggle because um, I know it's going to be an eye-opener to North Point because a lot of people here don't know, but um, when I went to Bonaventure, you know, you develop relationships, and then you get to know people, yeah. and then you open up, you know, so starting to open up here you know i've been here for a year but people at bonaventure and at waterson trail i would share it because i knew i needed to to help other people mm -hmm. and you know you don't go through these struggles to keep them in for yourself you know we give god glory to and uh that he's helped me this far yeah but i don't really mm -hmm. know what other than that and just growing growing in christ and mm -hmm. knowing that i needed to because in the beginning i didn't want to i didn't really want to talk about it I talked to my family about it because, you know, they all knew. Well, what could you say, um, you know, we've talked about drug addiction and mental health, um, and we've asked this to other uh, people that we've had on. What would you say the church could do as a whole? What could we do better to help with drug addiction, mental health, um, people that are walking through the door that are dealing with that? I think, uh, like Tracy said, North Point's um, helping out with that a lot and saying that you can take off the mask here, but this uh, podcast is really um, what's getting people to open up and I think get the story out, get their story out there um, to help other people. Um, so I think as as a church, this is a blessing and I appreciate you all heading this up. Amen. But uh, I don't really know, you know, because if we weren't doing this podcast, you know, you can say it in a sermon, but if people aren't here, you know, that, you know, they're not visiting us, how would they know? <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. So um, when you visit here, and like I said, you can talk to people once you get to know them and the mask is off and you're able to share that with visitors and help them to overcome theirs as well. Amen. Is there any scripture or passage in the Bible that you look to battling this or when you did battle this, something that you always, I know you mentioned Hebrews, I think. Is there any other scripture or passage that's your favorite? Yeah, um, Philippians 4.13. I have a lot of uh, scriptures that are my favorite, but I think Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, is a big one because obviously you can see what that scripture is, that right. Christ you does strengthen do us. Amen. Yeah. I love that scripture. I'm glad you <laughs> brought that up because... You see that scripture thrown around a lot, right? Like mm -hmm. somebody scored right. a touchdown. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> <laughs> Which, okay, that's okay. I mean, you, you want to use it. And, yeah. But to me, when I think of, you know, when we know in context what Paul was going through and he's in prison, <laughs> it's a little more than a touchdown, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, right. So it fits exactly what you're talking about. And, and wow, you know, you've lived it out. I can do all things through Christ. And I, I think I said that last last episode we done that people's lives are our biggest sermon. Yeah. Right. Than anything, you know, and this is a powerful one. Wow. Yeah, and I just want to say that um if there is anybody out there struggling, I'll be glad to be a mentor. 
Amen. Help you through your struggles. Amen. Uh, I thought about it a long time ago, but I didn't really know where to get started at is to, you know, put my story out there to help others or, you know, like my cousin, he battled addiction and he works like he's in a house uh, with a bunch of men that struggle through addiction and he, this house is to keep them sober and to help them work through it. And, you know, I didn't know that I could, I didn't know where to start to do something like that. I was never given that opportunity. Right. But uh, this will help get it out there. So, yeah, you share you shared a whole lot in your story, and we, you know, you came from a, a lot of negative that has happened, and what a great turn that you've made in your life. Um, what a great example that you have for people that have dealt with or are currently dealing with those things. Um, you've shared a lot of really good uh, suggestions. Is there other things that you would recommend for anybody that's dealing with drug addiction or mental health? Seek help. I mean, you got to be ready. You got to be ready and willing to admit you need help. But my suggestion would be seek it as soon as you can, as soon as you are willing to, and um, seek people that are around you. Talk to people, and they can point you in the right direction. And like I said, we're on here. We're more than happy to help. And but if you need uh, help within the doctor's offices or you know, you need, if it gets so bad, you need to go to the hospital. Don't hesitate. Don't let this end your life because it's so much more out there. Amen. So kind of wrapping up just to, you know, you talked about North Point. And maybe you already answered this question as well. But what what do you love most about here? Uh, and, and I think it's cool, though, because you talked about other places you've been. And because we, you know, we like to promote North Point. <laughs> but we... It's so awesome to see different church families and like folks that I know that are other places making an impact and you talked about that. Um, so I appreciate that. But just, I guess, specifically, what, what do you love most about being here at, at North Point? The people are real and genuine. And like I've said before, we said you can take off your mask here and you always see smiling faces. And if you know Tracy, <laughs> he's always got a smiling face and... Um, people are just so friendly here, and they want to get to know you. They don't. They don't just bypass you. Right. They actually talk to you, and you know, not just hi or yeah. how you doing, but and then not really care about how you really are. Generally doing. care. <laughs> generally care. Amen. All right, we're we're gonna wrap it up. I just, man, I can't thank you enough. And mm-hmm. this is gonna be, I think, our last episode of 2022. Mm-hmm. And wow, what a way to finish it. That was so powerful. Jenny, I I can't. I mean, your courage is unbelievable to be able to talk to it. I'm uh, (laughs) going to try to keep it together. Oh, brother. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) She made me tear up. I don't cry. Uh, I was tearing up. (laughs) uh, Yeah. (laughs) It was powerful. We thank you so much. And I know it's going to help people. I know it will. Yes. Um, And just the story of how, you know, even in your worst moment, you know, that's what really got me. You hear a knock on the door and there's something there and you know God's waiting on you. (laughs) On the other side, it just takes you a while to get get to it. But And then the people that loved on you. And uh, we appreciate you because you you turn around and and love folks here that same way. Um, Something I appreciate about Jenny is her big hugs. 
she's she's an awesome hugger <laughs> and I'm, I'm i need to work on that <laughs> no i don't think so i get hugs every sunday from you and every wednesday yeah, just about <laughs> but uh we we appreciate you every everything you do yes, i appreciate thank you so much yeah thanks jenny you're welcome i appreciate you all having me on here and caring about my story all right amen <laughs> if you're out there and you're going through a fire our prayer for you is that you have the attitude of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who said our God can deliver us from this fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, we'll continue to serve him and him only. Thank you for listening to Faith Through the Fire. <laughs>